the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it, a friend or family member lost on it, or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Larry Weedykind. Hello, welcome to this episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier. I have two guests in the studio with me today for this episode. Guest number one, my husband. Donnie. Number one. Number one. I'm really excited about the other guest, though. (laughs) So the other guest is a good friend of mine. Her name is Melanie Ziegler. She's an LMSW, and she is the newest recovery support team member at Matthew's Hope. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you, Heather. Hi, Donnie. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. So we're going to have a great show today. We're going to talk about something that's super uncomfortable to kind of unpack and talk about. It's resentment. Grr. Grr. (laughs) Don't get upset with me already. (laughs) (laughs) So in our 12-step world, in this recovery world, we do what's called a fourth step. Mm. At some point, usually, hopefully early on in the recovery process, it's the first step where any action is really required, and you're going to take a look at your resentments. So what is a resentment? Good question. So, Melly, what would you say if you had to define what is a resentment? Initially, when I stepped into this world, I thought it meant I had to hate someone or yeah. wish ill on them. But what I learned later is it means to re-feel some sense of injustice or some something emotionally is stirred up within me. Right. Um, so that that's kind of the approach I take on it now. Me too. Do I you think- guys have the same sponsor? We do. We do. I knew it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that I learned that from her, though. I think that was before her. Whatever. But anyways, my, my point is, <laughs> is I agree. I was taught that a resentment is to refeel a sense of injustice. When I was new, I didn't understand that. And I thought, oh, cool. I get to write about everything that anyone's ever done wrong to me. And I get to be a victim. Yay. <laughs> I get to explain to you why I am the way that I am is because of what people did to me. And she said, no, it's to refill a sense of injustice. And so when you look at that, There are things that have happened to me or you. Let's give an example of something that happened a month ago. Hmm. Okay. But there might be some other things that happened 20, 30 years ago. 20 is a good one. Yeah. 20 is a good one. So some of those things I don't refeel. I feel over it. In other words, doesn't still really affect me. Maybe I've forgiven that person. Or I think I have. Or I think I have. Right. But if I don't refeel it, um, I don't have to put it on my grudge list and write an inventory on it, right? But it doesn't matter if it was a week ago or 20 years ago. If I'm still carrying that around, if I think of that and I refeel it, then why am I doing that? And that's what we got to put down on paper and look at it. I like like when we approach that with a a new sponsee. Right. Because I've had sponsees that'll sit down in front of me and they're like, no, pretty good. You know, I (laughs) I uh, don't really... I don't hate anybody. I'm happy. I'm like, oh, really? That's why you can't quit drinking. (laughs) And you always know that somebody's going to have a resentment with parents. 
Yeah, mom dad's common. It's inevitable. Yeah. It's inevitable, right? Um, and so I'll just ask him, like, well, how about your parents? Well, I used to be mad at my dad. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. Well, what were you mad for? And so you start asking him, mm-hmm. and you can see them change. As they explain it to you, you can see them refeeling it. You can see them getting angry, and I go, Boom. bingo, resentment. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely girls that have sat down, I don't have any resentments. Uh, I, I really understand where they were coming from or I've forgiven them. And so if you just get them to talk, th- that exact scenario will happen where they're starting to refeel it. They'll get more animated. They'll get mm-hmm. more anxious. They'll have some more like visceral response. Their and- spiritual hands go to work. <laughs> yeah. You're like, boom, there's a resentment. Put that yeah. down, right? All right. So when we're looking at this step four and resentment, uh, our literature says that resentment's the number one offender and that it destroys more alcoholics than anything else. And a side note, the Bible is against resentment. Most philo- philo- philosophers can't get the word out or are, have noted the same, <laughs> the same, uh, like it's just kind of a widespread thing that... Mm-hmm. For me to house a resentment towards somebody else is like me drinking the poison but hoping, hoping you die. die. Yeah. 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 And so when we look at that in context, it's like if I'm going around life, going through my life, but I'm harboring, I'm holding on to these things that mm-hmm. I resent, it's poisoning me. It's poisoning my spirit and how mm-hmm. I show up. This is the first point in the step work, and which I figured out later, why I couldn't stop drinking spiritually was because I was disconnected from the power that I needed. But I'm disconnected from the power that I needed because of these resentments that are inside me. I think that the book calls it causes and conditions. Mm. We had to get down to the causes and conditions of what is in you that's blocking you. And, and so I was taught that your causes and conditions is these character traits, the whole point of why we're going through this inventory to see what's in me that's blocking me. Yep. And so what was your experience with your first four-step, Donnie? I mean, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience with my first four-step. It was kind of a weird deal. My real experience was with my second four-step. Okay. Because I think I was sober long. I was about three months sober because mm-hmm. I switched sponsors right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got real. Mm-hmm. I was more in touch and more sober to start really getting in touch with those resentments and the anger. And I think I was a little more raw. Mm-hmm. Um, and my experience was that when I went through it and walked away from my fifth step, I felt some freedom. I agree. I, this is the step where most people quit. They quit the 12 step. And is it because they don't want to face it? I don't know. Melly, what do you think? Why do people quit at step four? I think it's because I was listening to a speaker tape today that talked about this and it said that, you know, if a person is around people that are in recovery, there's this experience when someone says, well, I'm on my four step and everyone goes, oh, my gosh, <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. Dun, and, you dun, know, dun. The speaker shed light on his experience. My experience, again, personal to me, was it was an aha moment because, like you said, causes and conditions. I got down to face the facts of what was my true ailment. And I thought for such a long time it was substances, but I realized it was myself. And yep. so I don't remember if it was my first or second writing of my four step, you know, where I got down to all of mm-hmm. it. 
information but anyways i it was a liberating experience for me not a not a daunting one right i agree don't go anywhere we're going to take a quick break you're listening to relevant recovery radio Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosher. My guests in the studio today, Donnie and Melanie. Welcome, guys. We're talking about resentment. Uh, before we go that far, can I become a featured guest? A featured guest. Yes, I'd like you to announce, announce you, me as a, a, a featured, featured guest yeah, from here on out. You need some accolades, Donnie? I'd like, yeah. Like, so the, <laughs> Uh, homemaker, businessman, and featured guest we'll of the see. show. We'll see. I'll put in an email about that. We'll awesome. see if that's possible. So Thank you. before we go on the break, we're kind of talking about our first experience writing this inventory on resentment. Let's dissect resentment. Yeah. I didn't know I was carrying around resentment my entire life. I internalized it completely differently. An example is uh, like my mom. I think everybody kind of resents a parent at some point mm-hmm. for something and I harshly judged my parents for the way that they raised me. I felt like they didn't acknowledge the good that I was doing. I felt like they labeled me like the bad apple or the troubled kid because they sent me to a Christian private school Mm. at one point. Uh, I, I just, my mom, because of her mental illness, she wasn't the mom that I thought I wanted, like a mom that I could go shopping with and talk about boys with. And so all of these expectations that I had on what I thought I wanted from parents, I didn't know that I was carrying it around and it was becoming poison for me my entire life. It wasn't until I started dissecting these resentments that I realized, and and, and sort of another aspect of it is that I had a huge resentment on my mom. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom died basically a prescription drug addict. Right. Um, and so basically, I resented her because I was just like her. Right. And that's what I realized after writing the inventory is I resented my mom for not being present throughout mm-hmm. my adolescent years. But because of my drug addiction, I was also not present through my kids' adolescent years. And so I'm, I'm actually looking within myself and holding this mirror up to me and seeing, oh, my God, like we're all struggling in life. Nobody's perfect. But I had these unrealistic expectations on the world around me. And when you look at a whole resentment, you I think you basically have two kinds. Tell me what you think. I have the what I feel like is a justified resentment, mm-hmm. right, where I truly didn't harm this person. I didn't deserve what I got. Right. Somebody really inflicted something. I was a true victim in this case. And then I have the one where I'm, I, for instance, angry at my mom because she wasn't present. Uh, she, all this list, laundry list of things because she was a prescription drug addict. Well, it's because I'm a drug addict and alcoholic, yeah. right? I agree with you. But in addition to that, I think another way to look at two different kinds of resentments are the justified versus the imaginary. Yeah, like, fancied or real. Fancied or real. So I'll, I'll go through life, and someone may have really done something unfair to me that, that I didn't deserve, mm-hmm. like, keyed my car or stole money from me or, or whatever, harmed me. Or the me. big R. The big R that we hear about all the time, right? The, the, the girl that sits down in front of her sponsor is like, I was raped. Right, right. Now, tell me where my part is in that. Right, and there, there's not always one, usually. It, it's about being dissected properly. But the other one that I was talking about is imaginary. Yeah. And so maybe I'm going to school or maybe I'm hanging out with my family on Thanksgiving and I just think Aunt Linda gave me the, a look. 
mm-hmm. or I just think my cousins aren't welcoming or, or acknowledging me. Like mm-hmm. that fancied resentment slighted. is in my head and I don't even know what they think, yeah. but I know what I think they think. And when, when we dissect that, what we see is whether it's a justified resentment or an imaginary fancied resentment in my head, both are ha- having the power to kill me because both separate me from having a spiritual connection Therefore, I continue to drink. What do you mean by that? How do they separate you from a spiritual connection? So in our 12-step world, the whole goal is to get connected spiritually to God, to a higher power via working the 12 steps. And so our ideology, just basic in all 12-step world, is that I'm a powerless alcoholic. So I need power. A lack of power is my dilemma. And it's got to be a supernatural power, Mm. higher power God. Um, But I even though I have faith or belief, I actually didn't have an adequate connection to the power. Otherwise, I wouldn't be drinking. And I was super prejudiced coming in because I already had you know religious ideas and beliefs. And you guys in the 12-step world are telling me, you're not connected to God. Otherwise, you wouldn't be drinking. Mm. And I'm like, you don't know my relationship with God. I already know. You, know, you I, don't know me. You don't know me. Wait a minute. And what I found out is I, I had a lot of knowledge and no reliance. I did right. not have a relationship with the thing that I believed in. And they were right. Well, I think the ultimate as well is, and, and this is 12-step spiritual faith, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's truly. I mean, that's literally the whole deal right. is forgiveness. Um, you know, in in the faith world, it's like I'm going to forgive as much as I want to be forgiven. Right. Um, and I think that actually is probably a, a widely accepted spiritual belief. Yeah. Right. So, what do you guys think are uh, some side effects you've experienced in your personal life from carrying around resentments? How do those carry over in your everyday life? How did it come out? What did it look like to carry around resentments? It's not cute. <laughs> right? You know, some of it's more subtle that I'm not oh, even yes. aware of. And it's like, there's been times where I finally sit down and I'm reflecting on my days or my weeks or even my months where I haven't been doing the things that keep me well and good. And and I've realized I've been carrying around some kind of resentment and it may be coming out in how I'm treating about my loved one or I'm not showing up as a daughter the way I would like. And mm-hmm. um, I notice I just ha- I just feel irritable and I just don't mm-hmm. feel some true connection. And I'm the biggest thing for me is I feel like I'm not being helpful to those around me. And that's what gives me joy right. is to be some kind of usefulness to those around me. And so that's how it shows up. For me, what about you, Donnie? Well, if I'm in resentment, uh, let's see some typical reactions. I walk in the door and Heather's like, hey, how was your day? And I'm like, how about you mind your own business? <laughs> right. It's not about you, okay? I'm in Why? resentment right now. <laughs> yeah. I need you just to back off. I mean, or I'm in the grocery line and it clearly says 15 items in the cart and I'm counting. And I'm going to need to fight this person in the park a lot. Like, I'm just irritable. I'm looking for reasons to be angry when I'm in resentment. But the other thing, too, is it will drive me away from things that are good for me. Um, I've got an aunt and an uncle that, you know, 20-something, I'm talking 25 years ago, um, some things happened and I copped a resentment and I didn't talk to him for 25 years. And they lived right around the corner from us. Yeah. Like <laughs> before we moved in the house we lived in for what, three years? Yeah. Uh, they literally, I mean, I could have walked there in one minute. 
Yeah, I didn't even know he had family that close because oh, he'd, I did. he'd been having this resentment and he wasn't going to engage them. And I couldn't let it go. I have to ask, was it justified? <laughs> or imaginary? Here's the thing. <laughs> it was justified for the moment, but not 25 20 years. years worth. And it wasn't until my mom was literally on her deathbed in hospice yeah. that I started to see what I had been doing. What I you've been carrying see, all that time? Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. I hadn't talked. I have an adoptive older sister that I didn't talk to for twenty something years. I have them that I, you know, the aunt and uncles. In fact, my mom's entire side of the family that I just wrote off, and and I'm just done with you. And here's the problem: is that I missed twenty five years of of experiences with them, yeah. and they love me. And you know, I'll cut to the chase because the segment's about to end. But here's the thing: when my mom died. And my uncle and my aunt are at the hospital, and I just felt all this remorse because I had just X'd them out of my life because of this one little resentment. Mm-hmm. You know what my uncle said to me? It's the past. I don't care. Can we move on now? Mm-hmm. Just don't do that again. Right. I mean, that was it. Just complete grace. Complete forgiveness. Complete forgiveness uncle. in a moment. Right. Oh, I felt like a buffoon. But I think that when we talk about these we believe that when someone carries around a resentment, it may be you may be aware of it or you may be subconscious of the fact that you're fooling yourself about the value of the resentment. Mm. Right. You, you think, well, I can't be made a fool of again or I got to make sure I keep walls up and don't be vulnerable so they don't get over on me again. Right. We're like trying to live in this like self-preservation or I'm going to protect my mm. bubble world. But we're really robbing ourselves from so many experiences and forgiveness and memories that we could be having. That's a good discussion topic is why. What do I use resentments for? They, they, you pay a price, but we, th- we fool ourselves about the value in the moment and we think that it's benefiting us. Mm-hmm. And I lived a lot of years in so much victim mentality and, and self-pity, but thinking I got to protect me. I got to make sure I'm okay, but I was actually harming me, myself the whole time. Yep. Yep. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier. My guests in the studio today are featured guests. Thank you. Featured guests. Donnie and Melanie. Welcome, guys. Whoop, 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 whoop. All right. So we were talking about resentments. Um, why we have them? How does it, what does it look like when, when we're plagued with resentment? Why are we carrying them around? How do they benefit us? Benefits. Benefits. I mean, that's... I was so shocked when I figured out that the resentments were benefiting me. I'm like, what? Because when we look at that in context, an example of a resentment like I had with with my mom, right, for Mm -hmm. not raising me in the the way that I thought she should, uh, years later, and I'm having to write this and look, oh, well, geez, I didn't raise my children. Like, I had this bar. I had this expectation Mm -hmm. on what a good mother should look like. And I'm holding her to that standard, and she doesn't measure up, and I get to feel justified. But I'm failing. But all I'm day failing long. too. Maybe yeah. in similar ways. Maybe in different ways. And I think that that that's the hypocritical character defect that I would see over and over again is that I'm I'm a hypocrite. I'm judging people. I'm holding mm-hmm. them to a standard when I'm not saying that everybody's fallible because we're all human and we're all trying to learn and grow. But why do you think we do that? Which part? So. You're angry at your mom because you're basically the same mom. Right. And I'm angry at my mom because we're the same. Mm-hmm. Um, 
In other words, I have the same defects or sins that they have, Mm -hmm. but I point theirs out. Is it a protection? Am I just protecting me and how I look by pointing, hey, everybody look over here? I think that may be protection in some instances. I think it may be self-righteousness in some instances. I think that... it's that's a it, every scenario is mm. different, right? When I look at with your mom and, and watching you, so Donnie played the quiet game with his mom for eleven years, around eleven years, and twenty something with the I uncle. I feel like I should get a trophy for longest quiet, quiet. game. <laughs> I don't want to ever be on your bad side. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, I found that to be a. They called it a defective character. I don't know, but basically, if somebody makes me mad or offends me, I just shut the door on them. They're just out of my life. That. But quick. that's what we're talking about. Why yeah. do you do that? How does it? Well, how do you think it benefits you at the time? Right? You were trying to protect yourself, or this person doesn't deserve to be in my life. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of pride and ego attached to that sort of mentality that you're not aware of. Correct. Right. Correct. And watching your mom get to the end of her life and you rebuild a bond and a relationship with her for the last two years or so, mm-hmm. where you really did finally show up and started being the son that she deserved. Mm-hmm. And walking through that, that's the beauty of the true grace, of the forgiveness, of the the righting the wrong, the carrying out the changed behavior. And by the way, when I called her for the first time after 11 years... She was so excited. And I got the same grace that... I, I got the same grace from my sister Mandy, mm-hmm. from my aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. from my mom... When he, when they you, were capable of so much more than me, and mm-hmm. I didn't even see it. When you called your mom, and, and she hadn't heard from you in 11 years, she was over the moon. Melanie, she was just like so excited, and he was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's been 11 years. She goes, that's okay, just don't don't let it go again. That's amazing. Yeah. I felt pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I felt pretty bad. But, I mean, I still want a trophy, but I felt bad about what I did. There you go. But I, I just think that that's the beauty of the opportunities God gives us in life. And when I'm in self-preservation mode or victim mentality, I'm missing those. I'm mm-hmm. missing the spiritual compass on what I could be doing with or for or through these people that are in my life. Instead, I'm saying, I deserve better. I, you know, want you to behave a certain way or just give me a certain amount of attention or treat me a certain way. And what I don't know is I'm incredibly self-centered. Mm. And you I, really are. And <laughs> oh, that, I thought it was a statement. I apologize. <laughs> Has that not changed, Donnie? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. Well, I think that I went through I was life. just in the moment. I couldn't help I was it. living in a bubble of one, yeah. feeling like, unimportant to others like I don't matter like I'm not valuable when really that was my own stuff in my head and I'm setting myself up for for those resentments so I'm like as soon as someone messed up see mm-hmm. there you did it you hurt me you said that you don't appreciate me you're mm-hmm. not proud of me and then I feel justified all over it not realizing that what I'm doing is destroying my soul yep destroying the happiness that I could have out of life I have had resentments against other dudes for doing the same stuff currently that I have done in the past. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Those are the best. Yeah. Yeah. So there's dudes in the 12-step program that are being a little shady with women. Mm-hmm. Well, even though I've done it, I'm like, well, look at this guy. <laughs> look what he's doing. He's I so cannot, unhealthy. I oh, cannot <laughs> believe he's doing this. Yeah. Right? Now, I was given grace, but again, I'm not willing to offer it. I want to judge him to maybe protect my past or to show that, well, I'm better. I've learned. I know better now. 
you know. And the book says that like we don't have to like their symptoms or the way sick people treat us, but we're asking God to help me have a kind and tolerant view of everyone and forgive and forgive to see if I can be helpful. Like literally, it yeah. says, God save me from being angry. Yeah. And I'm asking for God to change the way I feel about this person or this situation. Forgiveness. That's mm-hmm. so hard. It's so hard for me to. I'm, I, I know there's nothing I can even pontificate about. It's hard to forgive people. Yeah. I think that's what our society is lacking the most today is this inability to forgive anybody. Somebody makes a mistake and they just crucify them yeah. for it, no matter how little or how big it is. Right. Instead of saying, hey, it's cool. We're all human. We make mistakes. And I think that that's the point when I when I look in context or when I'm hearing a fist step and I'm looking at all of somebody's resentments or my own. The book's real clear. It says when we're dealing with resentments, this business is infinitely grave. It's fatal because when I harbor it in me, I'm shutting myself off from the sunlight of the spirit. Then the insanity of alcoholism returns and I drink again. And with us to drink is to die. And so I, I look at my life before the 12 steps. And even though I had spiritual ideas, I think I was emotionally dead because yeah. I'm going through life in such a um, self-centered mentality where what can you give me it's literally like a darkness that'll eat us up yeah and it's again i i mean it's kind of a theme with me today i just recognized it but here i did all of these horrible things while drinking and drugging and doing my thing and then i get sober and i work the 12 steps and i i try to form this relationship with god and i feel like god was immediately like cool love you we're good, mm-hmm. right? But why can't I do that for others? Right. And why can't I understand that that when I'm harboring this, it's literally like a deadness inside of me that's just growing and I'm just dying inside, right. yet I'm focusing on everybody else. But it, the delusion in that time is that I'm trying to find happiness or improve my life, and I don't mm-hmm. realize that I'm like digging my own like emotional grave. Yeah. You know what I've noticed? This is kind of related, but unrelated. But when I have some kind of resentment or mad or something's going on where I don't want to be judging this other person that's doing the same thing that I'm doing, I've noticed I've had two different kinds of prayers. The one where I know I'm supposed to be doing the prayer and asking God to save me from being angry and (laughs) wondering why I'm still angry. And then I notice when I pray with intention, it's like instantly I feel like I can give that person grace. So mm-hmm. have y'all had experiences where you feel like yeah. you're not intentional oh. with, with your, like, do I really want to not be mad at this person? <laughs> yeah. my, I, so I had this uh, manager at my work that I literally, like I work on the 18th floor and I, I would daydream about going to this manager's office and dragging them to the 20th floor and giving <laughs> them the boot right off the edge, right? I mean, I was, Heather got to witness, like, I, remember that. I had visceral just, anger toward this person and I started praying for this person it took about a month and a half of daily prayer and in the beginning it was like I really hope this person gets what they deserve God (laughs) you know what I mean with that with that little hidden intention of like you know I don't know a bus a bullet I don't know (laughs) right but what happened is over the month and a half it morphed it morphed into you know what please please and I'm going to say them so that anybody who knows me is listening can't guess who it is, but they all know. Um, please give this person what they really like. Give them what they desire. Mm, like give them your need. love. Give them your grace. Give them everything. Like it changed over a month and a half. And then in an instant, I had an encounter with this person and the whole relationship changed. Mm-hmm. And I am, I care about this person and I, and I, I would do anything for them to this day. And it's crazy how that happened for me through praying for them 
without fail for a month and a half. I think that along the same idea, it, it I will say it's very, very challenging, definitely not impossible, but challenging to process a resentment and get to the other side of forgiveness or feeling different with someone who doesn't change or think they have a problem, mm. you know? They keep offending. Right. They keep reoffending, or they don't have the ability to be different or they don't see that they have any mistake in it, right? And the whole goal isn't to try to get them to see or do, right? It's to see why is it in me like this? Why am I choosing to be reoffended? Why am I carrying this around? And, and I continue to hold them to a standard that they haven't shown me they're capable of meeting. Right. Why, why, have, do, why am I insane to expect any different? I remember Donnie experiences this when, when we first started dating. He used to have bad road road rage, right? What? And here no. in Houston, road rage is a thing, I Not guess. Not me. Growing up in Oklahoma, it wasn't. But I would watch how he would drive so defensively and, and really upset that these other drivers on the road are like out to get him. Yeah. And it was crazy to me. And I'm like. They had a meeting before I got on the road and they <laughs> pointed me out and I was just like their target the whole time I was on the <laughs> But it wasn't. When I drive, I, I don't think that they're aware of me at all. It's not about me. He was internalizing it. And, and I would watch him and I said, listen, have you ever driven in Houston and all the drivers were just amazing and polite? And he goes, no. Then why do you expect them to be? You're insane. I like wait a minute. So are you saying that expectations can breed resentment? What? I do believe expectations of others is premeditated resentment. Wow. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We're on the iHeartRadio app or AM 950 KPRC. Um, my guests today are Melanie and Donnie. We're talking about resentment. Lordship. Lordship. I'd like you to call me your Lordship, Donnie. That is definitely not happening on my we radio could. show. I'm the featured guest, <laughs> Lordship Donnie. So let's talk about, let's flip it a little bit. Let's talk about when I'm able to look at a resentment and I'm finally able to see my blame or the mistakes I've made or my wrong. They call this the fourth column. Some people call it my part. I was taught not to call it that. We call it truth. <laughs> truth. What is this the is where truth? the truth comes out. And so when I'm talking about like my resentment for my mom, for instance, it's asking me to own up to any selfish actions, thoughts, delusions, and fears I have around my relationship with my mom. And so when I'm dissecting that, I feel like I've, I've yelled at her. I've, I've lied to her. I've stolen money from her. There's all you've, sorts. Of... You've really been a horrible daughter to her. Yeah, I, I mean, know. in every sense of the word horrible. Listen, I've. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the past. We're not, go you're not lying, it. but that was what was painful for me to realize. Even in like I had two failed marriages before you, maybe three after today's show. We'll see. Oh my but... gosh. <laughs> You would never divorce a lordship. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, I love you. You're my best friend. But what I'm saying is, is I was setting myself up to be unhappy in all mm -hmm. these relationships. But I'm, blaming everybody but else. But blaming yeah. everybody else. Yeah. And I'm not able to see my personal accountability or my personal responsibility in how I showed up. Mm -hmm. Water seeks its own level. And, and I wasn't these things, so of course I'm not going to attract these things. But in order to do this, in order to make this list of your offenses, mm -hmm. we had to put that other person out of our mind completely. Right. We had to forget anything they had ever done. Right. And completely look at everything we had done. But that can be complicated. So as far as like the women that Melanie and I have sponsored and trying to walk 
someone through that, sometimes there's resentments related to abuse or childhood trauma or things. And, and so that person will nine times out of 10 say, I don't have a part. I don't have a fourth column. I didn't do anything to deserve it, which is true. But on the flip side, Melanie, what what is also true? So it's also true that a lot of times these these women or men or whoever it is that's working through this is is in the delusion that it's okay to hold on to the although justified anger um, in order to continue drinking or engage in these behaviors that are not helping this right. this person trying to work through this. Because what I find, do you find that this is true, is that even though they don't have any blame or mistake or fault from what happened X amount of years ago or childhood, but they're still carrying it around today and, and they haven't found a forgiveness or, or a, a release or a reliance on God around that. And so they feel justified in their drinking. If you right. had my life, you would drink too. And it creates this cycle that you can't really get out of. They literally use it. They use it as a tool. Subconsciously. Absolutely. It's out of the pain and the hurt and the scars and and all of that. But I think that when you're able to – I had an experience of something that happened to me. And and I absolutely had a personal responsibility in placing myself in a very stupid position. Mm -hmm. Right? And so that was the truth I was able to see and and to see that. But what what happened to me wasn't my fault. Someone else did – you know, God will deal with them. But – Sometimes the book says we make decisions based in self that later place us in positions to be hurt. And when I had to look at my life, the, the men I chose to marry before you, of course. Or, before your lordship. <laughs> but seriously, I was making decisions in, in a self-centered bubble, mm-hmm. placing myself in a position to be hurt. And then I want to be the victim and, and gripe about how horrible my husbands are. And then you went through 12 steps. You changed your life. You started serving other people and being a good person and God gave you me. It's like a gift. (laughs) That's the beauty of it. So let's talk about the solution on the other side. I write this inventory. My sponsor and I go through it. I'm able to swallow some large chunks of truth about myself. And what I'm starting to see out of my four step is there's defects or shortcomings within me that are coming out and I'm asking God to help me be different. Well, and and I want to, I want to, Tack on one other thing. Mm. So I want to end that portion of it right before we get to the good solution stuff and just say that there are things that have happened to me and happened to others in their life that they are victims of. Absolutely. Yes. No question. The problem is, is that as long as I carry around that victimhood, as long as I carry around that resentment that I'm going to relive and refill, we've got to remember that there's that deadness inside of me that's just Mm -hmm. growing. It's the poison. And while I'm carrying it around and I'm dying inside, I'm hoping that person dies. But really, I'm just killing myself. It really serves no purpose. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I literally, when I called my sister, when I started talking to the family, like I just dropped all grudges in a moment. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how this happened with my mom, but it did. And I dropped all grudges. And I literally felt like a hundred pounds came up. I literally felt lighter. I'm not even saying that like figuratively. I literally felt lighter. Right. I think on the other side of my inventory, my resentment inventory, I I was able to have empathy mm. for the first time in my life around with these people. When does that start? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was able to see some things from their point of view mm-hmm. or them not being perfect and making mistakes, and it wasn't about me. Because you went into it a victim. I went into it. I'm going to show you what they did to me, and you come out and going, oh, look what I've done. Look what I've done. I'm human. I'm human. 
right? And I think that that was what was beautiful. So like with my relationship with my mom, um, God's role for me is to show up and be the daughter she deserves, not to try to get her to agree of how bad my childhood was or get her to be different today or anything. Like she's going to be exactly who she is. And I've watched that transformation and it's been a really, really cool thing to watch. I've watched you change with your mom. I think one of the first conversations I heard with you on the phone with your mom, there was some some expletives no. and possibly a hang up. No, really. I mean, yeah, and I today you are so kind and so loving and I just, it, it's cool to watch. For me, what I think God gave me is the ability to see my mom as, a, as God's kid mm-hmm. and, and love her for how he made her. Mm-hmm. And I had to let go of the hope of her being able to be any different because that was just my self-centered desire. Mm-hmm. And instead, how can I just show up and be the daughter she deserves and and bring joy to her life? You know, what have you found with that, Melanie? Just to tag on what you said, I've noticed if I start approaching life with how are things actually versus how I want them to be and Mm. how can I serve in this moment and how can I be helpful? And as long as I sit and wait for the answer of how that can be helpful, sometimes it's not to do anything at all. Mm. Sometimes it's to ask, how can I help you? You know, so each situation is so different, but that's, that's a beautiful story about you and your mom and all the family restoration that's happened with you guys. It's pretty, it's pretty cool thing to be a part of. I flew up there. My dad had uh, triple bypass surgery and I thought I was flying up there to help my dad and to help my sister deal with my mom. Uh, My sister went home. She got a break, you know, Um, and I really spent days helping my mom with all of the challenges. Um, She's very OCD and and stuff like that. And I just had patience and played music for her that she liked in the car, helped her get dressed. And old, old Heather did not have that ability. I love what you just said. It was great to be a part of, yeah. right? Because in the end of all this, I did not do these changes myself, mm-hmm. right? I started seeking this power. I started seeking God. I started seeking that help. And what I have found is that the more I seek, the more I believe that God can and will give me the power and change me internally. Mm-hmm. And I've watched others, and, and, and I watch the, the less they seek, um, the less they believe that God can and will. Right. I agree. I think that what I what I realized after going through this process is that I was setting I was trying to find happiness, but setting myself up for a miserable existence through being sitting in this, you know, dirty diaper, if you will, of my mm-hmm. resentment, you know. And it was daunting task to think I don't get to sit in that dirty diaper anymore. It's not comfortable anymore. <laughs> right. It used to serve a purpose and it just doesn't now. Right. It, and so I, I just thank you guys so much for being with us today and talking about resentments and, and dissecting this. It's I'm always grateful to walk this spiritual journey with you guys. So thank you guys for both being my featured guests. And I'll say this, too. One of the ways she stopped me from road rage is I would be angry on the road and she would just start screaming, roar, it's my road, get out of my way. I would, I would roar him. So you come oh, over. Yeah. It was so demeaning. <laughs> Did you ever try tickling him? <laughs> no, just the roar. I will drive us into a pile. All right, listen, I got to plug Matthew's Hope. Uh, so, Relevant Recovery Radio is partnered with Matthew's Hope. We are a 10 day detox and recovery program in downtown St. Joseph's Hospital. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.matthewshopedetoxandrecoveryprogram.com or matthewshope.org or give us a call, 844 263 4673. Thank you, guys. And they get to meet you, too. Yep.